Hello, and welcome to Thoughts from the Word, a podcast where I talk about what God is teaching me through the Bible. Today is the first of four weeks that I want to study through and communicate to you John 17, which in the subheadings of my Bible is called the High Priestly Prayer. And before we begin, I want to provide a bit of context for where this prayer fits into John's gospel, as well as the rest of scripture. Now, John 17 is referred to as the greatest prayer ever prayed. And probably the first and foremost reason why that is, is because it's prayed by Jesus. And actually where it is in John's gospel is it's right before Jesus is going to be betrayed by one of his disciples who he loves. And a lot of Bible teachers and scholars think that this prayer was being prayed to build up strength to accomplish the finished work on the cross. And so in this prayer, we can clearly see a beautiful example of what it looks like to rely on God in and for all things in prayer. But before we jump into the text today, I think that we can all say that we want a better prayer life. Like, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we pray small prayers. Like, we pray for money and financial security so that our families and the people that we, can, the people that we love can be safe and cared for. I think the next thing that is completely apparent in this global pandemic is security. Like, we can pray, I don't know about you, but in this time I've prayed this prayer of, Lord, keep me safe from this virus, or Lord, keep the family members that I have that I know are vulnerable, safe from this virus, when the only true security comes through loving and lasting relationship with Jesus. And I think the last thing that we can see as well, we can see that we pray small prayers as in relationships, whether that be a small prayer in the morning for your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend to come to Christ, or if you're a single person and you're a lack of relationship. I think that we can pray those prayers and forget about our vertical relationship with our Savior. And the reason why I think that we don't pray big prayers is because not because we're like wanting to pray those prayers and really self-centered, is that we don't trust the source. We don't trust the person that we're praying to. And throughout our time, I want to push us to this idea that we can see how and why we can trust in the person that we pray to. So if you have a Bible, open up to John 17 and read the first five verses of the high priestly prayer with me. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom, Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, 
having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this high priestly prayer. Thank you for John 17 and how beautiful it is and how theologically rich it is. Lord, also thank you for this medium to be able to practice proclaiming your gospel and communicating your word to your people and for people who do not know you. God, I love you and trust you. I want to see your name named greatly. So Lord, we trust you in this time and pray this in your name. Amen. Read the first few words of verse 1 with me. When Jesus had spoken these words. So, to understand this context of the high priestly prayer, we actually have to go back to the end of chapter 16 and read the last verse, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Do we all not need to hear that today? Like in this current tribulation, Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And he said that he'll overcome. So to understand this prayer, we must see that Christ is praying for strength upon the upcoming challenge that he's going to endure. And look at these next few words after when he said when he had said spoken these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven. Now, before we even get into the prayer, we have to know that the only way that we can have a true, right understanding of prayer is who we're praying to. And even Jesus, in his fullness of godness and fullness of humanness, like he recognized that the only way that he could get true strength is to look up and not look inward. Like, no, make, make no mistake about it, he was fully God and fully man, but he recognized the brokenness of his estate for who he was going to die for and looked up to his Father in prayer. Like, he actually realizes that he cannot fulfill the mission without relying on the Father. And how often do we rely on our own strength? Like, I'm not a very big person, but if I, like, put 225 on a barbell and I'm sitting on a bench and I, like, get a help off and I, like, go to, like, hold the weight, the weight's going to come down on me because I'm not very strong. No matter how hard I'm going to rely on my own strength to push that weight, even to hold it there, like, it's still going to succumb. My arm's going to succumb to the weight and I'm going to be crushed. But actually, in this prayer, we can see that the only way to truly trust in God is to look to God for strength. Like, not that strength to hold up the bar and, like, do a bench press, but, like, spiritual strength. Now, Jesus knew that the end was coming, and his sacrifice for us was his, in his vision. It was in his line of sight. Read the first few words that he says. He says, Father, the hour has come. So, the, in the Greek there, 
come is, uh, in the Greek, is ekromai, which means to come or to arrive. Now, the first thing that I think about when I think of, of arrival or like arrives is like you're in an airport and you're like waiting for incoming flights to come in. And I know that like when I went to propose to my now wife, I went into Denver because she was living, living in Colorado for the time. And I came into the arrival bit of the airport and like people coming and going in braces, but I had to like go and find my wife because she didn't know Denver International Airport. I also didn't know. But like that anticipation. But actually in this, the arrival, the hour that Jesus was incurring was weighty. He saw that the end was near. He, saw, he says, the hour has come, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. And like this language of the father glorifying his son and the son glorifying his father is very interesting. Like it, it implies this claim to deity. And like in this claim of deity, Jesus Christ is the only one who can truly claim that he is God. And as we continue to sift through these first five verses of the high priestly prayer, we can continue to see why we can trust in Christ. Like, read verse 2 with me. Verse 2 says, Since you have given him all authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this language of given here in the Greek is Echodos. And it's one way that you can translate it to is to grant, like the verb to grant. And the first thing that I think of here is like a wish. So like classic Disney movie, Aladdin. Now Aladdin, Aladdin rubs his bottle and like a genie comes out and like he's ready to grant him some wishes. But like this language of grant like to grant, to give, in the context of John 17, is completely different. Like, Christ has been gifted, or granted, or given authority. So Christ has been gifted this power by who God is. And the, the, um, the language here continues, and it's Christ has been given authority or power over all flesh. Like God has gifted, given, or granted all things to Christ, not just a small Christian majority. Like Jesus is head over all, like nothing that is in his vision, he doesn't say, that's mine. And like when I think of all flesh, I think of another Disney ship, Disney movie, The Lion King. And in that scene at the very beginning where Simba is asking his dad like about the kingdom and how he's going to be the next king. And his dad says, everything the light touches is yours. And that's like the same kind of idea that God has like gifted Christ all flesh like, everything in the scope of all eternity is in Christ's authority. 
And he's gifting us something. And our gift is eternal life with Jesus if we choose to accept it. Now, verse 3, we get this beautiful truth that Jesus continues to pray. He says in verse 3, and this is eternal life. So Jesus is actually about to give this explanation about what eternal life is. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, have you ever heard someone, like, say something to you, and that thing seemed to make no sense at all? Like, I know for me, like, math is one of these things. Like, I'm glad that my wife can crunch numbers well and to do those things well, because I can't. Like, I always, like, need those kind of things to be explained in a different way so that I can understand them more clearly. And in this verse here, while communicating to his heavenly Father, Jesus gives us a true and pure definition of what relationship with him looks like. And it's... It's this simple idea. It's to know God and to know Christ. And like this language of knowing, like, I can know, like, the 50 states. Like, who remembers back when you were in high school when you were the 50 states and capital song? Like, I can't recite it right now, but that's something that we know. But when you go through that song and you hear the different capitals of the different states, you don't understand what goes on in each of those cities. It's just head knowledge. It hasn't moved. Like It's like you have memories associated with it. But here, like knowing God and knowing Christ is like this understanding, this, this relationship that seeps down into your heart, not just your head. But notice how, like, in even this verse, like, Jesus supports how he can be trusted. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Like, God is the true God, and Jesus is the true sacrifice. And because of that, God and Jesus can be trusted. And more than that, when Jesus was ascended, God sent the Holy Spirit to have him live inside of us. How beautiful of a gospel truth is that to glean from this portion of Scripture. Like, we're not alone. There is a, a God who sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us so that we can pursue right relationship with him. And as we continue to read, we can see that Jesus continues to pray this beautiful prayer. Verse 4 says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Like, Jesus gave all the glory to his Father. Like, he had equality with God. 
Like, how beautiful of a thing is that to have equality with God? And he, he left that equality to, to gain flesh? It's like, that's, that's radical love. It's, it's crazy that he would want to die for our sins while he had equality with God. You will accomplish the mission that he was called on. It reminds me of a song that my wife really isn't crazy about, but it's a living hope. And in one of, one of the lyrics, it is, The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And, like, Jesus being the sacrificial lamb, it brings tons of glory to the God that we serve. Like, listen to this. I glorified you on earth. So Jesus bore flesh to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Like, make no mistake about it. Jesus was sent and he can be trusted. And Christ, he was given this hard thing. But as the Gospel of John continues, after this high priestly prayer, he bore the cross, walked all the way up to Golotha, and died for our sins. And as we continue to verse 5, we'll read it. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Like, this claim is insane. Like, if Jesus didn't have equality with God... Our message is in vain. Like, Jesus looks up to his dad again and he addresses him and he asks for that unity that he had with him so that he can have the strength as he sets his sight on the cross. Like, this idea of unity is so needed where we sit today, August 12th, 2020. Like in the midst of a global pandemic, racial injustice, and a toxic political climate, we actually need something better to bring us true unity. And the only thing that will give us true unity is the person and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as we close out our time in these first five verses, we must remember that God loves us. And before even the world began, Jesus was at the right side of God. He was right there when Adam and Eve were formed. He was there even before the foundations of the world were laid, and he knew his sending. We started this time talking about our prayer lives, and 
how that God can actually be trusted. And I think we can say a simple statement that that proves that. And it's this. God gives Jesus authority to stay, save us from sin. Like, the implications of that small statement are eternally earth-shaking. Like, we get right relationship with Jesus. We gain unity with God forever. And we have eternity to look forward to forever. Like, that's just such a beautiful gospel truth. And the whole world needs to know. And to the believer, like, take hold of that and run with that and proclaim it when you are given the chance. And I think we can also take away some things about prayer as well. Like, as Jesus says in the first, like, as Jesus looked up to his Father, we also need to recognize that we need God. Like, God isn't an option. He's a necessity. We need to humbly state a request to God. Like, there isn't a request that's off the table, but we need to humbly do that as we trust God's perfect plan for our lives. And we also need to stay diligent to his word. We need to be a people that are soaked by God's word and actually want God's word to change everything about us. And if we continue to do this, we will continue to see our lives look more and more like Jesus and less like our fleshly desires and let them go to the wayside. Guys, as we close, thank you for listening to this episode of Thoughts from the Word. I hope that this time was an encouragement to you, and I hope that you're continuing to do well. And remember, God gives Jesus authority to save us from sin. See you next time, guys.